welcome to this very special presentation from Geek Speak. I'm the geek of all trades, Steve Muller. And I'm Geek Speak's boy wonder, Brendan. We are the Geek Speak sidekicks, and boy, do we have a treat for you today. Mate, that is putting it very mildly. Yes, just a few days ago, Australia had the privilege of hosting a very special guest in the world of geeks. Mate, they don't come any bigger. No, they don't. We are talking about geek royalty, Stan the Man Lee. Yes, Stan was in Sydney. He came for the Supernova convention. Yes, and it was his only appearance. It was. He's not doing Perth or anything else like that. No, he was... was his only appearance while here. He was actually paying an old debt to Sydney because he promised them 30 years ago he was going to be there for Australia's first ever comic convention. He couldn't come, and this is him making up for that. Was 30 it 30 years, years ago? Around about 30 years ago, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I do know he did come a few years ago. He appeared at Melbourne's first Oz Comic Con. Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a schmozzle. A lot of people didn't get the chance to see him. And now I'm assuming a lot of people didn't get the chance to see him this time either, <laughs> considering he was only here for one appearance. Mate, but I'm telling you now, a lot of people did get to see him because, mm. like I said, I was lucky enough to attend. Yep. And, man, if you wanted to see Stan, you had to be prepared to line up. Mm, how long were these lines? Uh, about half an hour? No, oh, mate. <laughs> try time is that by about eight <laughs> at a minimum. And that was just to get his photo and autograph. Or to pay for his photo and autograph. Yes. So a lot of people missed out on his panel. They did. No. So not only did those of us not able to make it to Sydney miss out on seeing him, those people who wanted to sit in on his panel. And actually hear him. Yeah. Yeah. They had to miss out because they had to line up for hours. Guess what? Just to get the, his autograph and photo. Guess what, Steve? What? I didn't miss out. Oh, really? No, I attended this panel. Oh, I think I know where we're going with this very special presentation. <laughs> yes, I attended Friday's panel. Yes. And was lucky enough, I took the voice recorder with me mm-hmm. and recorded the panel in its entirety. So for the majority of us who unfortunately couldn't be there... Or for the people who were but were stuck in lines to either get his autograph or photo mm-hmm. and miss the panel. We present to you Stan Lee's panel from Sydney Supernova 2014 in its entirety. So let's just get straight into it. Excelsior! Ladies and gentlemen, I'm back. Are you excited? There's a man backstage who I just had the wonderful pleasure of meeting, who is responsible for creating some of the most iconic characters who have ever existed. He has created Spider-Man, he's created the X-Men, he's basically made the Marvel Universe what it is today, and he's done so with grace, aplomb, and style. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please put your hands together and welcome the one, the only, Stan the Man Lee! You forgot to mention that on the seventh day I rested. (laughs) Thank you so much. Now, you can can sit there if you like, you've got a microphone. All for you. You can recline if you wanted to. (laughs) Now, Stan, you've been, as I've said, responsible for the creation of so many characters over the years. What is it, when you're creating a character, that you look at immediately and think, that's going to make that character memorable? Well, it depends how it's drawn. It's easy for me to come up with a character, with an idea for a character, but I have to get an artist who draw the guy 
or the girl, so that they look sensational. And the minute I see the drawing and it looks sensational, I figure that's it. And I was lucky, because I worked with some of the most talented artists in the business, and they made what I wrote look better than it was. I worked with Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, John Romita, Gene Cole, you probably know the names if you read our books. They were wonderful. They did all the work. I took a lot of credit. It was a great system. <laughs> <laughs> so are you trying to say that you've essentially been riding on the coattails of, of greatness for your entire career? Just like I'm riding on your coattails now. You're doing all the work. I'm sitting here. You're charming the audience and I'm figuring why am I on stage with a guy who talks better than I do? Oh. <laughs> Be still my beating heart. Now ladies and gentlemen, I'm actually going to get out of the way because this is your time. Hey wait a minute, oh. what, what's up there? There's a giant you. Why am I not facing this way? <laughs> no, I'm not looking at, I'm looking at my back. I want to see it the way they see it. <laughs> Turn me around. I, I'll never understand this kind of stuff. All right, but you're having more fun. You can you can see a big me. I'm stuck with a little me and a little him, and you can see a bit. It's too complicated. How are we going to work this? Well, I, if people raise a hand, I will come running to them, and then they will ask questions. You're completely thrown by having a giant you. No, I, I don't see you. Where are you? Oh, hang on. Here, here, there I am. Look, there's the back of my head. Oh, that's great. Isn't it? Oh, I, I, I missed a bit when I was shaving my head. Modern science is wonderful. Isn't it? So we're going to ask questions, and uh, we've got somebody who's going to come out and sit with you if you want to. Um, we've got accent. Accents are very hard things. So ask your questions very close to the microphone and very clearly. No, he's being very kind. I can understand your accents. Even though I look like a model of physical perfection, I don't hear as well as I should. So if you're out there with the questions, it will be hard for me to understand. So speak clearly, and if I answer wrong, it's not that I'm in error, I just misunderstood the question. Go! You! Hello. Yeah. Hello, I got that part. <laughs> <laughs> about the Lego Marvel game? Did you get us pick the superpowers of your character? No, no. They just did the game. I didn't get anything except a lot of money, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't even get that. It was fun. Let's be honest, that's its own superpower, really. Whose superpower? Having lots of money. Um, no, that's not a superpower. That's um, something that I'm still trying to achieve. I'm going to tell you the greatest superpower in the world. No, I shouldn't, because I should wait till you... One question I always get is, if you could have any superpower, what superpower would you want? And nobody ever expects the answer I give, because the answer I give is luck. Because if you're lucky, everything is good for you. If you're a superhero, if somebody shoots you, the shot misses. If you buy a lottery ticket, you win the prize. What, I mean, luck is the greatest superpower you can have, but you're wondering, so how come you never had a superhero who was lucky? Because it's not visual. What kind of costume would you give a lucky guy? <laughs> I mean, no, it, how do you draw special effects if you're lucky? 
So there's nothing to fascinate the reader or, or the viewer looking at the pictures. So the greatest power in the world, Buck, will never be depicted in an action comic book. And I'll pause for a moment while we all digest that. <laughs> Where, where's my man, Quinny? All right. Hello. Did you get to choose when your cameo uh, happens in the movies? Something about a cameo happening in the movie? Do you get to choose? Do I get to pick my cameo? No! If I got to pick them, they'd be longer, they'd be more heroic, they'd, I'd be the star of the movie. What happens is, I get a call from the director, he says, Stan, we got the cameo for you. Can you get here on the set? So I go to the set. I shoot my little, he tells me what to do. I shoot the scene. And he says, now get the hell out of here and stop bothering the actors. <laughs> and that's it. And I never even, I did a cameo for, what is it, Guardians? No, no what was the name of the show? The Universe. Defenders of the, is it Defenders of the Defenders of the Universe, I have trouble with that name. I did my cameo for it. I have absolutely no idea what that cameo has to do with the rest of the movie. <laughs> I want you to see the movie and see if you can figure it out when it comes out. But um, I forgot what the question was, and I probably answered it badly, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, if there was a character that you could unwrite which you created, who would that be? Oh, none of them. I love every one of them. They're all fantastic. I, um, I have this incredible way of writing. Everything I write turns out to be great, you know? <laughs> no, seriously, I've had a lot of ideas that I didn't like after I wrote them down. But because I didn't like them, I never made a comic book out of them. Every one that I've done is because I liked it. And uh, I'm very proud of them. I love them. I may be the only one who loves them, but I love everything. Okay, we're halfway up on the right. I thought he meant we're halfway through with the interview. <laughs> Welcome to Sydney, Stan. Thank you. I was here in Sydney 30 years ago for the first OzCon, and you didn't turn up. And I'd love to know why. <laughs> she was 30 years ago. I did. What did I do that she was in a way? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember why I didn't come out 28 years ago. But I'll tell you one thing I, I should have come out because you people are great and I've never had a better time. I love, I love Australia. I love Australians. We were, a couple of years ago, we were in um, Melbourne, right? Had a great time. Now I'm having a great time here. I don't understand your language, your accent. I never know what anybody's saying, but you look so good when you're saying it. A little, I'm sorry, I don't know the reason. I, 28 years ago, I was supposed to come out. What do you mean, yes? I didn't even know this guy 28 years ago. That's when I moved from New York to California, so I was probably busy moving and couldn't make it. Thank you very much, whoever you are. <laughs> We're a little further up on the road. How's it going, Dan? Or Stan? 
pretty good as Joe or Schmo. <laughs> Personally, for you, when you like written almost every single Marvel one, which character did you click well with? All of them, I think. Like, personally, for you. Well, the one I really got a kick out of was Iron Man. Because when I wrote that, nobody thought it would work or the people would like it. Because he was a, he made war, he made munitions, he was a billionaire, he was a manufacturer, he represented uh, wealth and capital. And in those days, there were so many hippies and people who wanted to change the establishment. And, and he seemed to be against everything that all these people were, were for at the time. And I said, I'm going to make them like him. Because I sort of modeled him, if you've heard of Howard Hughes, who was a great inventor. He was a brilliant movie maker. He was a very rich man. He made the biggest plane in the world, the Flying Goose, which only flew for 15 minutes, and that was all. And, but he was, a, and he was crazy also. But he was a, a capitalist. And in those days, people didn't care for capitalism much. Everybody was protesting. So I thought, I'm gonna do this character and make them like him. And it took a while, but he got to be kind of popular if you've seen the Iron Man movies and Robert Downey's version of him, he's pretty good. I mean, he's not you, Jackman, but he's pretty good. <laughs> I love you, Jackman. Uh, hello, Stan. Uh, hello. My name's Tony Simon. Just to be in the same room as you, it's just a, it's a great honor and to be able to... Thank you. That's fantastic. Uh, I want to ask, uh, now that you're doing your, your own company, Power Entertainment, do you ever see yourself doing more comics for Marvel or, or for Power Entertainment or any other media in the future? Well, I don't think I'll be writing any more comics. But we are doing, Power Entertainment now has a, uh, a movie, an animated movie that's on the Hub Network. I don't know if you get it here or not. It's called Stanley and the Mighty Seven. And if, oh, you see it. Well, anyway, if they're going to eventually make another movie of it and a live-action movie, and you'll see when it comes around. And we're doing a lot of other things at POW. I forgot what the question was. What was the question? <laughs> Pay attention. not even paying attention. Get off the stage. <laughs> oh, am I going to be doing anything more for Marvel? Um, so we're doing things like that. I'm working on a number of movies, but I'm not writing them myself. I come up with the ideas, and then Pow finds a way to put it together with the writer and the director. And we have one we're doing. It's features of all things a Chinese-American hero. It's called The Annihilator. And just wait till you see that in a year and a half. And we have an Indian one called Chakra. Um, he's a, a teenage hero, superhero, but he's not hes not Peter Parker, don't worry. And uh, we're working on a lot of things, but as I say, I don't write them myself, because I don't have the time, and I think I've written enough, but I, I come up with the ideas, and then we try to get writers, and it's been a lot of fun. I, I love what's going on. Hello, Stan, my name's Michael. Um, 
ever since I was little and I read my first comic book, I've never actually dreamt that I would talk to you like in this method. But what I've always wanted to ask you was, where did you first find the inspiration to create your first few characters? Hunger. I, I was hungry. And um, we didn't have much money in those days, and it was a job. And if I hadn't created these characters, I would probably have been fired. So it didn't take much inspiration. It took a lot of fear. Seriously, I worked for a publisher, and it was my job to write the stories. I was the head writer. And every time I wrote one, I was a little bit nervous. What if he doesn't like it? Luckily, he liked them. We published them. They sold, and that was it. But there wasn't any, you know, people use the word inspiration. It's just really thinking. I mean, when I did the Fantastic Four, that was the first one of the so-called new Marvel characters. Um, we had been doing a lot of books, and my publisher never had much respect for the audience, for his readers. He used to say to me, don't put in too much dialogue and don't worry about characterization. Just give me a lot of action, action, action. And I would say to him, but there ought to be more to the story than action. But I didn't want to argue with him because he was the boss. So when I came up with the Fantastic Four, I was about ready to quit because I, I was sick of the stories I was having to write. And my wife said to me, Stan, why don't you do one story the way you want to write it? The worst that'll happen, he'll fire you, but at least you'll get it out of your system. You want to quit anyway, I know. So I wrote The Fantastic Four, and I wrote it differently. I worried about their personalities. I tried to give them each different characterizations. I tried to give them each different ways of talking, their dialogue, they didn't all sound alike, and so forth. And it worked. So then he came back to me and said, hey, why don't you do something else like that? And we did the X-Men. What? i got to tell you about the X-Men. This is funny. <laughs> I came up with the idea for the X-Men. And I said to him, I told him about it, and I said, I want to call it the Mutants. And he said, that's a dumb name. Nobody knows what a mutant is. Get another name. Okay, he was paying my salary, so I forgot the mutants. And I thought they have extra power I'll have them led by a guy named Professor Xavier. I'll call him the X-Men. So I went back into the room and said, how about we call him the X-Men? He said, yeah, that's great. So when I walked out of his office, I thought, if nobody would know what a mutant is, how would anybody know what an X-Men is? But he okayed the title, and lo, a legend was born. I hope I answered the question. While I was talking, I thought I tend to forget what the questions are. You have to forgive me. Uh, hi, Stan. Hi. Where's that coming from? Hi. Hello. From here. Right at the back, on the right. I have no sense of direction. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Hi. If you could be one of your superheroes, who would you be? Oh, boy. Again, Tony Stark. <laughs> he's rich and all the women love him. What could be better than that? <laughs> so he's got a bad heart. Big deal. In the middle. He, no, the heart isn't in the middle. It's up here. <laughs> Hi, Stan. Hi. Um, if you could revive any timely comics t title, what would it be and why? 
Well, it wasn't a title. The only thing I wasn't happy with, I came up with a villain once called Diablo. And I thought the name was great. I was working with Jack Kirby and we needed we needed to do a book quickly because it was we had a press date and if we were late we'd have to pay the printer a bonus, all kind of stuff like that. So we had to work fast. He said, well, what will the villain be? And I said, I got a great name, Diablo. And we did some kind of story. It's the only character today, I don't remember who Diablo was, what his power was, if he had any. I don't even remember the story. So I figure he's the one character I did that for me, it didn't work out that well, because I ought to remember my own characters. One of these days, if you could get me a copy, would you wake up, if you could get me a copy of Diablo, I'd love to see it. I created him for the Fantastic Four. Oh, go ahead, go back to sleep. Oh, uh, hey. I feel so vulnerable up here. First thing, um, well, the Stanley family loves you. Yeah. Thank you. And second thing, uh, why didn't you have any cameos in the X-Men movies? Oh, well, uh, for those of you who are interested in business and commerce, I'm going to tell you why I had no cameo in the, in the X-Men movie. It was so that they could make more money. And here's the reason. And you'll see how logical this is. A person goes to see the X-Men, watches the whole movie, now it ends, and what is the first thing that person says to him or herself? I didn't see Stan's cameo. I must have been reaching for some popcorn and I missed it. Or, I'd better buy another ticket. And they run to the box office, buy another ticket, watch the movie again nobody wants to miss my cameo so half of the money they made on the x-men movie is because my cameo wasn't there and people bought extra tickets you should have figured that out hi stan yeah um, just wondering, what was your involvement in the creation of the Batman character for the comics? I think you had a bit of, you changed the, kind of, the cape and the ears and that. I was just wondering how that came involved. No, I have nothing to do with the Batman movie, but I think that uh, Warner Brothers is missing a hell of a bet. Can you imagine if they advertised Stan will have a cameo in this movie? Everybody would go. Nobody would believe it. No, I have nothing to do with anything that DC's it does, you cannot blame any of their mistakes and bad mistakes. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Uh, hi, Stan. My name hi. is Leo. Uh, thank you. First of all, thank you very much for bringing all this magic and all this inspiration to this world. Um, my question is, uh, about your career, like uh, if you have like a one minute to give an advice to everybody here, like uh, for a successful career, for a happy happiness in your life, like uh, what would be? I missed the last part of that. Well, that's hard because everybody really wants something else in life. Uh, 
But I think the one general rule that I've always followed, if, you, if you're doing something creative, like writing or drawing, or you're, you're making music, anything, if you're doing something that's for the public, please yourself. Don't say to yourself, ooh, I think they would like it. You don't know them, but you know yourself. If you write or compose or draw something that you yourself love and you yourself think is great, the chances are you're not that unique. There'll be a lot of people who have the same taste and they'll like it. I've known so many writers who try to write stories for people in a certain age group, but they're not in that age group. And sometimes their stories don't work out. So the only advice I would give is, try, whatever your work is, please yourself. Do whatever you're doing so that you can say, man, that's good, I like it. Because the chances are, if you do, other people will too. And there was another thing, I think I've forgotten it. That's what happens when you get to be over 18 years old. <laughs> hey, Sam, over here. Um, there's some rumours going around that Marvel will be cancelling the Fantastic Four comic book series uh, to sabotage the new Fantastic Four movie, which is owned by Fox. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on this and the fact that Fox own um, the characters Fantastic Four, the X-Men, and Sony the Spider-Man away from Marvel Studios. Well, Fox doesn't actually own the characters. They own the right to make the movie of the characters. And uh, Marvel, of course, wishes they had those rights back. So they're not trying to sabotage anything, but they feel, and I don't say I agree with them, but they feel, why should they promote characters that they can't make movies of? So they feel that the comic book, in a sense, is promoting the um, characters, and that's helping whichever company I forget now is going to do the movie. So that's why they're dropping the book. Again, I don't particularly agree with them, but... I have nothing to do with those matters. Um, hello, my name is... Oh, I remember the other thing I wanted to say. <laughs> about what do you do to succeed, which I know no more about than anybody, but I love to talk. Um, I think when you're young and you're planning what you want to do in life, pick something you love doing. Because if you work at something you, if you want to be, if you love being a mechanic, you like tinkering with things, don't end up being a store clerk. Stay with being a mechanic. Whatever it is, do what you love to do. Because if you do, you never feel as though you're working. You feel as though you're in your, you're playing with your hobby. I know I never feel as though I'm working because I like what I do, and I work with guys who are terrific. Even this guy is probably asleep by now. <laughs> and so the other bit of advice I would give is try to do the kind of work that you really love doing, and you'll never feel like you're working. You feel as though you're playing. I'm sorry I interrupted. There was a question coming up. Um, hello, my name is Chandra, and I was the one that made the casting position for you. Um, Oh, yes, thank you very much. Um, and also, um, what was your favorite comic 
and what gave you the inspiration to make it? My favorite comic and whatever, and my, the inspiration to make it. I really, I really love, I gotta tell you, I'm my biggest fan. <laughs> I love all the stuff that I do, but if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be Spider-Man. And um, uh, by the way, since we have time to kill, I'll tell you how the idea for Spider-Man, how the book was published, it's kind of an odd story. We had already done, I believe, the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, maybe one or two others, I don't remember. And my publisher said, we're on a roll, cream up another character. Well, that was in order. So I sat home and I was trying to think, and you know, when you dream up a superhero, the first thing you have to think of is, what power would you give him? So I was thinking, what power is left? I already had the strongest man on earth. I had a guy who could burst into flame and fly, all of that. And I saw a fly crawling on the wall. And I said, boy, wouldn't it be cool if you had a, a character who could crawl on walls like a fly? Although I probably didn't say, wouldn't it be cool? In those days, I probably said, wouldn't it be groovy? <laughs> but anyway, I thought that would be good. And then I, I wanted to make him different, so I thought, I'll make him a teenager. And then I figured to make him very different, I'd give him a lot of personal problems. Well, I liked that, and I ran excitedly into my publisher's office, and I told him, he said, Stan, that is the worst idea I have ever heard. <laughs> he said, first of all, people hate spiders, so you can't call a hero Spider-Man. Then you want him to be a teenager, Teenagers can only be sidekicks. And then he said, you want him to have problems? Stan, he's supposed to be a superhero. They don't have personal problems. So I walked out with my... I wasn't feeling good when I left the office, but I couldn't get Spider-Man out of my system. So we were killing a magazine. I think it was called Amazing Fantasy. Now, when you kill a magazine, nobody cares what you put in the last issue. So to get it out of my system, I put Spider-Man and that issue amazing, and I featured him on the cover, and I forgot about him. A month later, the sales figures for all our magazines came in, and my publisher came running into my office, and he said, Hey, Stan, Stan, do you remember that character of yours, Spider-Man, that we both liked so much? <laughs> he said, Let's do a series. And that is honestly the way Spider-Man came into being. <laughs> now you know the inside story. Hi, Stan. Yeah. My name is Isaac Johns from Melbourne. Uh, I was wondering what would be your number one tip for making comic books? My number one pick for, for what? Tip. You mean, I don't know what you mean by the number one pick for making comic Tip. Books. Oh, advice? Oh, golly. The same advice I guess you'd give anybody who's a writer, come up with an idea that people would want to read, but since it's a comic book and not a novel, you also have to have an artist who's going to draw the script so that it would excite people and they'd like to look at it. It's not as easy as it seems. Writing a successful, 
comic strip, you, you've got to know a little, you've got to really think like a, a movie director. You've got to figure, you've only got a few panels to work with, and you've got to figure, what do I put in each panel that's going to be the most interesting shot of whatever we're trying to say? And you have to write it well, and you have to hope you get an artist who can depict it well. There's no easy way. I, I don't know what I can tell you to make it sound easy. Doing a good comic strip really isn't that easy, unless you have you're working with people who know exactly what. You're, see, again, I may have mentioned I was so lucky. I worked with artists like Kirby and Steve Ditko and John Buscema and Gene Cohen and. Whatever I wrote, they made it look twice as good. So I was lucky in that sense. Hello, Sam. Yeah, sir. Uh, thanks for coming to Australia, firstly. You're welcome. I love it here. Uh, me and my friend, we always have this debate and argument. Uh, I just wanted to know your opinion as well. Magneto versus Doctor Doom. Who's going to win in a battle? <laughs> I'm going to give you the most honest answer I can give you. It depends on who's writing the story and who he <laughs> wants to win. <laughs> I, the toughest thing is, you know, the most fun thing really is doing those battles. But anybody could win. I mean, I, I could do a story where Daredevil could beat Galactus. It, it doesn't matter. You're going to find a way to do it you have fun doing it and you try to surprise the reader but the thing I have to mention it's very important these characters are fictitious <laughs> so if you're writing the story oh we mentioned Dr. Doom before I gotta tell you a thing about Dr. Doom that's very important everybody considers him a major villain but if you think about it Mainly, he breaks no law. All he wants to do, all poor Dr. Doom wants to do is rule the world. <laughs> now, if you walk up to a police officer and you say, Officer, I want to rule the world, he can't arrest you. That's not a crime. Anybody could want to rule the world. So I think it's time we started showing a little kindness for Dr. Doom. He's not that bad. That was known as a non-separate um, Hello, I'm Tyler. Uh, I'm really into Spider-Man. Um, How do you know where they are and I don't know where they are? <laughs> to me, the voice comes from all over. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I'd like to know what was your favorite Spider-Man comic to write? your favorite story? Oh gosh, I... It's hard to have a favorite. I mean, I, I, I'm serious. I love everything. Um, there was one, though, that had an ending that I liked. You know, in the beginning, Peter Parker's aunt was trying to get him to meet a girl who lived next door, who was the niece of some other woman who lived next door. And she said to Peter, you really ought to meet this young lady. She's a very nice girl. Now, to most teenagers, if you say she's a very nice girl, they figure, oh yeah, dull, I don't want to meet her. And Peter tried to avoid meeting this girl for a lot of issues. And that was Mary Jane. 
And then when he finally met her, I forget how it happened, but the last panel of the story, he opened the door and she was standing there. And she was gorgeous. And she said to him, face it, tiger, you hit the jackpot. <laughs> I, I don't remember what the story was, but that was one of my favorite panels. And I don't know why they haven't used it in the movie. Maybe they still will. Off to the left-hand side. <clears throat> Over here. Hello, Sam. My name's Wade. Um, like a lot of people here, I was inspired by your characters. One in particular was a silver surfer. So what's the background story on that particular character? I didn't really create the surfer, not visually. I had been doing a, I was introducing Galactus really, and Jack Kirby was drawing it. And when he brought in the artwork of one of the stories, there was this guy who looked like a naked guy with white skin on his flying surfboard. And I said, who's this? Because I hadn't told Jack to draw that. And he said, well, I figured anybody as powerful as Galactus, who is trying to destroy planets, ought to have a herald who goes ahead of him and finds the planets to destroy. So I thought a guy on a white surfboard, a flying surfboard, would be fun for that. And to Jack, it was just a throwaway character. But there was something about the way he made the Silver Surfer look. He looked so noble, and I liked the character, and I decided to feature him. So I made him a guy who's always philosophizing and always commenting about the human race and the planet Earth and how stupid we are. We live in a planet that's a paradise, and why do we fight and have war, and why do we hate people who are different than we are, and what's the matter with us? And I got a lot of little philosophical things out of the surfer, so I really loved him for that reason. And as usual, I'm sorry, but I forgot what the question was. <laughs> you don't remember either? Okay. Hi, Stan. Yes, sir. Um, I wanted to ask, it's been said, I think you've said as well, that you're good friends with Hugh Hefner. Then I'm what? Good friends with Hugh Hefner. Oh yeah, well, we're not drinking buddies, but we are friendly, yeah. I want to know what he said about your cameo as him in Iron Man. He got a kick out of it. He enjoyed it. <laughs> For those of you who don't know it, one of my cameos in the Iron Man movie, I'm standing with three beautiful blondes. Wasn't a bad little scene for me. <laughs> They're all around me, we're talking, and you and Iron Man actually walks by and Tony Stark, he wasn't dressed as Iron Man. And it's some sort of an official function, and I'm standing there, and Stark walks by and he says, nice going, F, or something like that. And I turn around, and that was the whole thing. You have to got a kick out of it. And um, he called me and he said, gee, thanks a lot for being me, but I'm better looking than you are. <laughs> We've been arguing about that for a long time. The funny thing about that, I had a pipe in my mouth, because Hefner smokes a pipe and they wanted me to have that. And it, the girls were so close to me, every time he said, nice going, Hef, um, I turned around to see who the sound was coming from, and the pipe hit one of the girls in the face. <laughs> so we had to do it over a few times. <laughs> 
Hey Stan, my name's Kira. Um, I was just wondering what kind of reading material you were into when you were, you know, a kid. Did you read comics or sci-fi? <laughs> I read everything. I love to read. And I read things like uh, the Hardy Boys, which are for kids. And I read uh, Edgar Allan Poe and Mark Twain and Charles Dickens. I even read Shakespeare. I'm sure when I was young, I didn't understand it, but I loved that kind of what ho Horatio dialogue. I loved, I, I loved to read. And um, every time, the more I read, the more I felt I wanted to write. So reading, in fact, the first present my mother bought me, we, we didn't have much money. She bought me a present one Christmas. It was a little stand that I could put a book on so I could read while I was eating and the book was, at the right distance away from me in the right angle. I really appreciated that. Okay, we're out of questions. Nice seeing you. Hi there, Stanley. My name's Ilya. Where is that coming from? Hi. Back there? Yeah. It always sounds to me. Oh, anyway, go ahead. Uh, just wondering about uh, when you wrote Captain America. Uh, what was your inspiration for the Red Skull? I didn't have any. It was I didn't create him. Captain America was created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, and so was the Red Skull. I that was the one superhero book we had when I came to work for the company, and after I was there a while, they let me write the stories, and after a little while. Kirby and Simon left the company for some reason, and I was all alone, and I wrote Captain America after that. But the Red Skull was a great villain. The reason he was created, we were fighting the Nazis at the time, and they made him out to be one of the great Nazi evil leaders. Um, but I had nothing to do with his creation, I'm sorry to say. Hey, Sam. Um, I was wondering. You sound like you're here. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. Far to the left. These poor people here, they feel neglected. Go ahead. I said, um, I was wondering, what's the secret to keeping a lush head of hair at 91? <laughs> <laughs> what about here? You talk about me. Imagine how I feel working with this guy. Look what he's done. <laughs> My hair is so thinning. Uh, but anyway, what is? Uh, but I should answer the question. It takes willpower and perseverance. <laughs> I have so few hairs on my head that if you ever play those paint-by-numbers games, every one of my follicles has its appointed number in the morning. I put it just where it belongs. Well, enough about my hair. Hi, Stan. Hi. Right. Um, a lot of your uh, characters are scientists or have a science background. Bruce Banner, Reed Richards, and to a certain extent Spider-Man. And uh, I'm a scientist myself and hoping that one day an accident will give me superpowers. This <laughs> <laughs> could happen. Uh, could. Uh, so I was just wondering, is there a reason? Uh, like, do you have a big interest in science or just, like, just false? I'm not a big science scholar. I, I don't know much about it. In fact, if you think about it, 
I had the Fantastic Four created by um, cosmic rays. They were zapped by a cosmic ray. I don't know what a cosmic ray is, but I've heard the expression somewhere. Then when I needed to have the Hulk created, I figured, well, if I had a cosmic ray zap the Fantastic Four, what other rays are there? And it seems to me I had heard of a gamma ray. So I said, okay, there's a gamma ray bomb, and then the Hulk was exposed to that. That's about the extent of my scientific knowledge. <laughs> but um, I like to make things sound a certain way. I wanted to make it sound as though these stories were scientifically thought out and carefully done. And somehow, who can argue with a cosmic ray or a gamma ray or a whatever the heck the ray was? I, I, I'm not much of a scientist, but I love using scientific names and words and phrases in a story. I probably use them wrong, but nobody else knows them either, so nobody notices. <laughs> and again, I don't know if that answered the question, but um, the question has something to do with science, I think. <laughs> I, didn't it? Hey, <laughs> Stanley? Yes. I've been here, Stanley. Uh, just two things I just want to say, me and my brother. Um, no, no, my brother and I. <laughs> I just want to say, um, like, uh, how how's your um, Superhumans show going? How is my what going? Oh, Stanley Superhumans. Yeah. It, it's doing well. I just filmed the third season, and um, I'm mad at the network because they don't promote it. It's the only show they don't advertise it. The people who see it love it, but a lot of people never heard of it. They promised on this new season they're going to advertise it, they're going to promote it. So it'll probably become one of the great shows of all time. <laughs> but uh, if you haven't seen it, it is kind of fun. The thing about it, it tells about people who can do things that nobody would believe are possible. And one of the things that really amused me, they have a guy, and they have a lot of guys like this, to take one example. He takes a power drill, puts it against his forehead, turns it on, and it doesn't hurt him. It doesn't go through his forehead. I don't know why. So I said to myself, what makes a guy wake up in the morning and say, I bet if I put a power drill to my forehead, it wouldn't hurt me. But you know, there are all kinds of people, and I don't want to get into that. Next question. Hello. Hello. Good day. Um, yeah. um, Still there? Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Um, fantastic that you're here. Well, we're all very honored. Um, fantastic that I'm anywhere. <laughs> uh, my question is, particularly for the Iron Man character, uh, what do you find is his most defining villain? The Iron Man? Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know. I can't remember the years ago. Didn't he have Titanium Man and the who's the other one? <laughs> Iron Man's villains. He has Titanium Man as well. And the Crimson Dynamo. Now you're wondering why I mentioned those two because um, the guy from the Beatles. Uh, thank you. He's a friend of mine. I've got his name. Paul McCartney did a song <laughs> about the. Uh, Crimson Dynamo, and, the other one. and uh, 
So I'm going to have to say those were my two favorite villains, even though I don't remember what the hell they did. Crimson Knight had a Iron Man suit as well. We've had so many villains and so many characters, and it's hard for me to really remember all of them. But I'll remember the Crimson Dynamo and the other one because Paul did, uh, did those. He didn't do them. He did a song, and behind him on the screen, he had pictures of them with their name. So I guess that was the name of the song, the Crimson Dynamo, and who's the other one? And the Titanium Man. Okay, we got it. Uh, hi, Stan. It's great to have you in Sydney. It's great to be here. Um, I was wondering, of all the comic books that have been written by you and Marvel, are there any that were written that didn't take off that you think were ahead of their time? No, no, you can't say were written by me and Marvel. Marvel didn't write the books. I wrote them. It's still from here. Anyway, um, this may sound funny, but we really didn't have any that didn't do well. I can't think of any. Um, some of them didn't do as well as others. We had Doctor Strange, which didn't sell as well as Spider-Man, but it was still successful. And we're making a movie of Doctor Strange. We're making one of the Black Panther. We're, I mean, we have so many characters that, even though they're not our best-selling characters, they're still good, popular characters. So we, again, we were lucky. We had such great artists that even if the idea, what, what is it? Even if the idea was a little weak, they looked so good that people liked them. Okay, we've got time for one final last question. And I'm sorry to all of you who have had your hands up. I know that you've been very patient. But that's a redundancy. One final question is one the final. same as one last question. My so apologies. all you have to do is say one final question. If you say one final last question... You see, I was an editor for so many years. You've got to forgive me. Well, now there's no time for any more questions. <laughs> very good. I did that to get myself off the uh, hot plate. You are our final question. Hi, Stan. Um, Hi. Very quickly, I'd like to thank you for creating something so fantastic that has brought so many people together. I wouldn't have the friends that I have if it wasn't for us bonding over these sorts of things. Well, that's very nice. Thank you. My question is, what made you think of combining a whole bunch of characters and creating them into the it just seemed like such a natural thing to do. You see, we were the first comic book company. I didn't want to put my characters in fictional places like Gotham City or what's the other one? Metropolis. <laughs> I had my characters live in New York City because that's where I lived. I knew New York and I could write about it accurately. And in writing the stories, I used to think, gee, if they all live here, why couldn't they bump into each other once in a while? In fact, we had one story, I think it was the Fantastic Four, I'm not sure, one story where there was a ball game or something, and in the stands, I had the artist draw Peter Parker, and he was just there watching the ball game. It seemed like a logical thing, why couldn't that happen? So it was easy, they're all living in New York, to have them run into each other and occasionally fight with each other, or join the hands and fight someone else. And when the characters got as popular as they were, 
There was no way I couldn't think, let's make a team out of them. And we called it the, we called it S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, no, we called it the Avengers. S.H.I.E.L.D. was another, you know, we had so many things. <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. was, we had a character called Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. And they were World War II books. And they were kind of popular, but we stopped doing them after a while. And I got a lot of mail years later. What happened to Sergeant Fury? So I thought, I'll have fun, and I'll make him a colonel now. And at that time, there was a, um, a popular television show. I forgot the name of it. But it was about a secret organization that did things. The Man from Uncle, right. And I thought, I'll get a group like that, and I called them S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, I had S.H.I.E.L.D. stand for something. They changed what I had S.H.I.E.L.D. stand for. I had it stand for Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division. They now call it something else, and I may sue them. It <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with what you asked me about the Avengers. So we had these characters all living in the same city, and I felt if they're going to meet each other every so often, why can't they team up? And I got the phrase, Avengers Assemble, one of the most dramatic phrases in literature, of course. <laughs> and that's how it happened, because they all lived in the city. I couldn't have done it if they all lived in different parts of the country. And how nice of you to ask. Ladies and gentlemen. Well, you, so you don't have to if you go if you wanted to, but I'd prefer it if you didn't. Oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> that just scared the hell out of me. Gravity takes care of yeah, us. Yeah, I know, I know it well. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to please put your hands together and say an incredibly huge thank you to the players. you've enjoyed this very special presentation from geek speak what an amazing thing it has been to listen to someone so influential mm. in the world of geeks just dropping science oh mate <laughs> like i said you know i mean i know this is fantastic that everybody's now been able to hear it but yep. i tell you what you should have been there <laughs> I, I wish i could have but so we sent you in our stead and look at what came out of it but steve yeah <laughs> listen yeah that's not all oh no Keep your eyes on the Facebook page, listeners, yep. because this isn't the only audio I got. Mm. I attended a lot of panels over the weekend that I was there. Yep. I spoke to a lot of people while I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to make a little mention here, particularly to fans of the show Arrow. Ooh. Keep your eye on the Facebook page, like I said, because Katie Cassidy, Manu Bennett, John Barrowman were all present. Uh, Laurel Lance, uh, Slade Wilson, mm-hmm. and Merlin. Yes. A little and real also, little, yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? Captain Jack yes, from Torchwood, Torchwood. And Doctor Who. M- mentioned John Barrowman, a real little tease for John Barrowman fans. I may have got audio of him singing a certain song from Doctor Who live to the audience. Ooh, mm. You're getting me all tingly. <laughs> I also, uh, every well, listeners of the Psychic Podcast will yep. know that I'm a huge James Bond fan. Oh, really? George Lazenby. <laughs> yeah, well, George you Lazenby was present. You finally met a Bond. I finally met a Bond to go along with meeting my Batman. Yep. 
I met George Lazenby. Uh, Richard Keel was also there. Jaws. Jaws from... Uh, Not Moon- the shark. No, from <laughs> The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. He was present. So I grabbed some audio f- uh, from their panel. I actually got to ask George a question, which was really, really cool. Oh, and we'll definitely put that in. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum. Lex Luthor from and Smallville Flash himself. Flash from Justice League. Yep. He was there. I got some audio from his panel who... He was meant to be alone, mm. but he brought out John Hedder. Napoleon Dynamite. And they did a dual panel together. And, mate, my, I didn't know Michael Rosenbaum was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not all. You actually interviewed a number of Aussie comic creators while you were down there. I did, because, you know, listeners of Geeks People know that we love pushing Aussie comics and the Aussie comic industry. Oh, God, it's a comic industry that needs to be pushed. So I spoke to Darren Close. Uh, from Killaroo. Yeah, and Oz Comics. Oz Comics, yep. Pat Purcell. From uh, Winter, City, Winter Comics. City and New Mechanical Night. Yeah. Paul Abstruse. <laughs> Our favourite brony. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> and also Sorab Del Rio of Zombie Cities and The his Adventures new book. of Rudy Cool. Yes. Which I picked up, which we'll talk about in a future episode. We will. So be sure to check out both podcasts, Geek Speak Live and Geek Speak Sidekick, for all of these supernova goodies. And head along to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash TV for all your geeky needs. Again, we hope you've enjoyed this very special GeekSpeak presentation. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I've been the Geek of All Trades, Steve Muller. And I've been GeekSpeak's boy wonder, Brendan. Geek out. And And Excelsior! Excelsior!